Thanks for checking out the Refuge Official Podcast. Wherever you're from, we hope that this message will encourage you and help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, here's our lead pastor, Matthew Malik. Are you ready for the Word this morning as we go into the Word? So we want to continue in our revival series as we're looking at the directions of revival. And this morning, we're looking at upward. First, it was inward. Uh, Last week, Michaela ministered on outward, the outward direction of revival. And then this morning, we're looking at upward. And next week, we'll be looking at forward as we go out and carry out the commission of God. There's a key scripture that we've been sharing for this series. It's found in Psalms 85, verse 6, and we'll also look at verse 7. So if you can turn there, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, otherwise you can read on the screen behind me. Psalms 85, verses 6 and 7. Will you not revive us again, that your people may rejoice in you? Verse 7, show us your steadfast love, O Lord and grant us your salvation. We understand that this is the plea of the psalmist, a heart cry for revival, a heart cry for a fresh revelation of the love of God and its expression among the people. There are times in our lives where we need a revival. There's times in our culture where we need something significant to change the hearts of people. And I believe that God is the master at revival because he's the only one that can effectively impact the human heart to bring forth lasting change. And you may have come here this morning, and you may be okay with where you're at, but yet inside of you there's a longing hunger for something more. And I I tell you, God has something more for you in your experience with him, more for you in your experience in your home life, in the workplace, And in the culture today, he wants to do something so significant. And God is somebody that's not totally detached and far from us, but he wants to get right in our business. He wants to be involved in our lives. He's a personal God that wants to make a difference in our lives. I believe that revival always brings a fresh revelation of his love. It brings a fresh revelation of his word. And it brings a fresh understanding of his plan and his purpose and his will for our lives. And I, something God spoke to me last night as I was in prayer in the sanctuary here concerning you. So this is a word that he wants you to hear concerning you, the people here this morning. The people deserve to hear a word today that will inspire, challenge, and convict. A equipping word that will help them succeed in their journey of life as they serve God's purpose. And I believe that God wants to give you something today that's not going to only inspire you, but something that will challenge you and something that will convict you. Now, conviction is, is not a bad thing. A conviction is, is simply having an understanding of something that's a mandate in our life, something that's strong that causes us to make a change. We're convicted in our values. We're convicted in our ideas and and our philosophy of life. There's a conviction that determines how we live our life, okay? Let's pray. We'll take a moment and pray. Father, we thank you 
for the opportunity to minister your word. And in the time that we have, I pray that you give us understanding hearts, that you would not only inspire, but, Father, that you would give us a fresh conviction and understanding of your purpose and plan. We pray that you open up our eyes to see and our ears to hear. We invite and welcome you to move among us. In Jesus' name, we give you praise. So what is revival? I'm going to just give you a, a brief uh, a review of, of how we defined it. Merriam-Webster defines it as an act or instance of reviving. It's the state of being revived, something that's uh, just, uh, you know, some, something that needs to be revived. It, it seems to be lifeless. It seems to not have much activity. And to be revived is to be invigorated. Synonyms for revival are rebirth, regeneration, rejuvenation, renewal, resurgence, resurrection, resuscitation, and revitalization. Those are all synonyms that have to do with this thing called revival. But now how do we define that spiritually? Revival is an awakening of our hearts to the things of God. It's an awakening of our hearts to experience his presence in his word, in fact, and also an awakening of conviction against the crippling power of sin in a stronghold in our life so that we can break free from it. What does it look like? It's really wherever the Spirit of God encounters the human heart with his presence. And last week, Michaela talked about revival, that we are in revival. It's happening in us and around us, but sometimes we don't actually acknowledge what God is doing, but he's at work in our lives whenever we open our hearts to him and our lives to him. And, and he longs to do something in your life, but he's waiting on you very often. He's waiting on you to say, Lord, I want more of you in my life. And we begin to make steps to reach out and step closer towards him. Revival is acknowledging, it's confessing, it's repenting and turning from sin not excusing it or justifying it or trying to appease it because often we try to justify what we do that's wrong. So today we're looking at upward. How do we define upward? Well, upward simply is above. Everybody look up. Maybe you see a light. Maybe you see the ceiling. But that's upward. It's, it's above us, okay? It's a direction from lower to higher. It's towards the source, such as a river. You go upstream. Right? Upstream is difficult. If you're paddling upstream, and, and we have kayaks, and, and it's always a challenge, especially if the current is swift, to paddle upstream. And so usually I will paddle upstream, so then when I'm all tired out, I can just turn the kayak around, and I can go downstream. It's a whole lot easier, and you can move a whole lot faster. But going upstream is challenging. But we're looking upward, and I think in the context of this service this morning, we're going to look upward, and that may be a challenge for some of us because there's going to be resistance that we're going to encounter that's going to try to limit us or hold us back or slow us down. But there's something when we look upward that we're going to receive, and we're going to find out in a little bit. I'm going to uh, share a couple of thoughts with you. Uh, upward means in a higher position. It could be a promotion. You're promoted. You're advanced in a job or a career. Upward is toward a higher or better condition or level. It's, it's, it should be a better place. It should be improvement. Now, if we look at the adjective of upward, 
The adjective is defined as directed toward or situated in a higher place or level, ascending. It's ascending. And consider this in light of your outlook, your mindset, or your perspective. God wants you to ascend. Isaiah 58, verses 8 and 9. I don't have a slide for this. But the, Isaiah, the prophet, makes this declaration concerning God. And God is speaking, and God says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now let me make this statement. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. If we are going to experience revival, we need to consider an upward perspective. In other words, even though God says, my thoughts aren't your thoughts, you and I can rise to the level of his thoughts. Because in this setting, the prophet is speaking to those that are not walking with God. And he's actually, in a way, rebuking them. He says, you're not thinking how I'm thinking. You don't think the way I think. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. But the challenge, and as we read the rest of this, which he won't, in the context, God is challenging them to rise up to the level of his thoughts and rise up to the level of his ways to begin to walk in his ways and to think his thoughts. Okay? And so that's what we too need to consider. So I have three points for you. Say three points. Okay. Uh, the first point concerning upward Upward is a direction that addresses our focus. Upward is a, is a direction that addresses our focus. And our focus is simply who or what are we looking to, to okay? Uh, is our focus fear-based or is it faith-based? See, some people have a fear-based focus, and that's why they're living miserably in their life. They're tormented, they're, they're in turmoil, they're depressed, they're distressed because they don't have a faith-based focus. Because faith lifts us up above the junk, the muck, and everything wrong around us so that we can begin to see things from a different perspective, namely God's perspective. See, God wants you to see things the way he sees them. He doesn't want you to see things from the limited vantage point of humanity. Because his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. That's an invitation. We can rise up to that level, okay? So we live in a world of broken focus and distraction. We live in a world of heartache and disappointment. We need to consider Abraham. And I want to look at this man. He was a man. He was 75 years old. He had no children. This was a man that God gave him promise to that he was going to have all these descendants. And he didn't even have a son. And he's getting up in age, and he's like, what am I going to do? He was overcome with fear, with, with a lot of things. He wanted a family. And nothing seemed right because his wife, Sarah, was getting older, beyond the age of child-rearing and bearing, and she was barren. She was unable to conceive a child. And all he had was God's promise, which was a conflict because of his condition. See, sometimes you may have conflict because of a condition that you're in. But that conflict doesn't have, your condition doesn't have to define you. Okay? And so uh, 
Abraham did not let his condition define him. He didn't let that conflict hold him back. So he had to shift his focus on the promise rather than his present condition. And let's look at the promise. This is Genesis 15.5. Genesis 15.5. God took Abraham outside. If God takes you outside, some, some of you might think, oh, this isn't going to be good, okay? When, when my dad used to say, let's go outside, son, I knew that wasn't going to be good because it was a trip to the woodshed. And we were raised on the farm, and we literally had a woodshed. And we'd go in that woodshed, and my dad would grab the nearest boy next to him, and that was the paddle. You know, so uh, you might not be in agreement with that, but I guess I turned out. I wasn't too damaged. <laughs> anyway, Genesis 15:5, And he brought him outside and said, look toward heaven. See, Abraham, sometimes we have our heads down. And we're so focused on what's going on on this earth. We're in depression. We're self-absorbed. We're dealing with all this stuff because we're looking down. Sometimes all God needs to, to do is get you to look up. And that's what God said to Abraham in this moment of despair when he's dealing with, Lord, I don't have any children and I want a family. And I, you, you gave me this promise. He said, look toward heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them okay how many of you ever tried that one two three four five six seven oh i lost my place i gotta start over one two it's impossible to attempt even to attempt to number the stars and notice what it says if you are able to number them then he said to him so shall your offspring be so I was thinking, I have no children. I look at these stars. I can't even count all of them. And you said, that's the number of my offspring. Now, scientists say that at least 10,000 stars are visible to the naked eye. But they are really impossible to count because you lose your place when you start. And it's impossible to know how many stars may be in a cluster. So it's nearly impossible through the naked eye to count the stars. But God was proving his point with Abraham. Keep counting. Keep counting. <laughs> There's millions and billions of stars. You, you're going to count for a long time if you try to count them. I want to ask you this question because I think sometimes with our focus, it deals with fear. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? Have you identified your fear? Is it fear of the future? You know, we had a number of children dedicated today. And, and I have to be honest because sometimes as parents, we can think, what about their future? What kind of world are they going to be in? What are they going to have to deal with? We're concerned about the future, not so much for us, but more so for our children, for our offspring, for future generations, okay? Now, fear will break your focus. And if we're looking upward, we need to establish that focus. Fear is something that will break your focus. To define fear best, it's simply an unpleasant emotion caused by the threat of pain, threat, or storm, or harm. See, fear is an opportunity for us to realize we are not in control. It really is. And we don't know the future. And to address fear, we simply must place our trust in God. Joel 2.21 states, Fear not, O, o land. Be glad and rejoice, for the Lord has done great things. Fear not. The greatest number one single command in the scripture is fear not. 
you'll see it throughout all the New Testament. Fear not, fear not, fear not. And it's usually associated with a promise. Fear not for I'm with you. Fear not because God has something in store, okay? And so it's important that God wants you to overcome your fear. Maybe you're afraid of living in a boxed and small kind of life. See, we have a choice to step into our future in one of two ways, either in fear or in faith. Faith is simply trusting God. Fear is a failure to trust God. So what are you going to do? Are you going to step into your future in faith? Even though there's so much negativism out there, so, such a bleak picture in so many ways, yet God will give you a vision for what he wants to do. i, I got to share this story. I know uh, uh, time is an issue here this morning, but Neil Armstrong was the first person to step on the surface of the moon on July 21st, 1969, on the flight of Apollo 11. And actually, I was sitting in a den on the farm house in Junction City, and I was watching it live on TV. And that was amazing that we could get these images all the way from the moon back then. Our TV was black and white, okay? It wasn't color. We didn't have money to buy a color TV. They were very expensive, and, and they, the quality wasn't as good. And, and, and the screens were very small back then. I think we had like a 12-inch black and white TV. Now I'm really dating myself. This is in the old days, okay? And think about Neil Armstrong. No man has ever set foot on the moon. No man has ever set foot on the moon. And this spacesuit was never really tested in real outer space, on the surface of the moon at least. I mean, they did the, the you know, floating around there in these suits. But no one had ever tested it on the surface, on the lunar surface. Can you imagine what was going through his mind when he stepped out of that lunar module and he started going down the steps. And you, can, you know the words. You've all heard it. One small step for man. One leap, large leap for mankind. That was a step of faith as he was the first man to set his foot on the moon. I'd like to do that someday. How about you? I don't know. Leave me on earth, okay? All right. Now, upward is a direction that refers to looking to God and connecting with him, placing your trust in him above everything else, making Jesus your focus. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, the, the, uh, part of the second part of verse 1 says, And let us run with endurance the race that's set before us, looking to Jesus, the author, the perfecter of our faith. We're looking to him. He's our focus. He becomes our focus. And it's not just a cliche, oh, just look to Jesus. No, it's a hard issue. It's a conviction where we look to him. Have you made Jesus your focus? The second point we want to share with you, upward is a direction that points to our source of help. Upward is a direction that points to our source of help. Speaking again of Abraham in Genesis 22, verse 13, a little bit later down the road, this was after, this was like 37 years later from the first reading when he looked up. He was 75 at that time. Now his son Isaac was born and his son is about 12 years of age. And God told them, go sacrifice your son. And he didn't want to do that, but he didn't want to disobey. 
And notice in verse 13, it says, And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. God provided a sacrifice so that his son could go free. And see, that sacrifice is, is typified as Jesus becoming that sacrifice for us. God provided a means of salvation for us so that we would not have to die and go to hell because of our sins. See, our help comes from the Lord. When we consider upward, we're directing and looking to our source of help. Psalms 121, verses 1 and 2, the psalmist states, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord. He asks a question, and in verse 2, he answers the question. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Think about it. The God who made heaven and earth is the one that's going to come and help us. The creator of this vast universe is the one who is our source of help. We need to acknowledge God as our strength, our source of help. It will make the difference. Point number three. You thought I was going to spend more time with point number two. There's a whole lot more I could say. But point number three, we want to get through this. Upward is a direction that establishes our goal. And see, every person needs a goal. Every person needs an assignment, an objective in life, a purpose, a reason to exist. And see, upward helps us to discover and establishes that goal in our life. It's reaching upward and pressing onward. It's answering the call of God upon your life. We see the Apostle Paul in the book of Philippians Chapter 3, verses 13 through 15, he's relating where he's at in his journey with God. And he says, brothers and sisters, we'll include sisters there too. So I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. See, if you're going to let the past hold you back, you're going to never move forward. You're never going to advance. And God is wanting you to move forward in life. You may have had some issues in the past that have been devastating to you, but your past doesn't define you. You can move past that. The Apostle Paul had a horrible past. He had Christians imprisoned and put to death. He had blood on his hands. He was a bad guy when it came to, to, to destroying Christians. And so... He had a past, but he had to let that go, and he had to go forward. And notice verse 14, I press on towards the goal. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God of Christ, in Christ Jesus. Wow, he was pressing on towards that goal. Notice the upward call. There's an upward call of God upon your life. That call will take you to a place that he wants to use you in a, in a way that you may not even ever conceived. God has such great plans for all of us. Without reaching upward, you never move forward. Proverbs 15.24, the scripture tells us, the road of the godly leads upward, leaving hell behind. And, and that's the worship team can come up at this time, but I, I want to leave you with that verse. 
The road of the godly leads upward, leaving hell behind. It's time to leave hell behind, okay? In a sense that we're not going to, that's not going to be a place where we're going to reside. That's not a direction that we're moving towards because we're moving upward. And we also see as part of our goal the harvest because Jesus said that don't just think that the harvest is ahead. The harvest is right now. There's people out there that need Jesus. There's people out there that need to hear the message of Jesus Christ that can encounter them where they can experience his forgiveness, his mercy, and enter into a relationship, a real relationship with him. Psalms 123.1, the psalmist declares, To you I lift up my eyes, O you who are enthroned in the heavens. See, there's times that we need to look up, lift up our eyes, and see that there's help. Not that we can necessarily see God, but it's lifting up your eyes in the sense we're looking to him. We're looking to receive from him. See, God is in the business of reviving, restoring, renewing, and fixing what's broken. Now, you may think you are broken beyond repair. Now, there's items like toasters especially. You know, most people don't attempt to repair a toaster because they start and they may be successful or unsuccessful. But a lot of times, if a toaster is burnt out, it's burnt out. You just throw it out and get a new one. They're not that expensive. But yet, in our life, there are times where we may feel we're broken beyond repair. But yet, God can repair anything that's broken. He can fix and clean up any mess. You know, being in different parts of the world, and even here in the States, I've visited garbage dumps. And you know, there are people that actually scavenge the, the garbage dumps to see if they can find something that they can repair, something they can fix, something they can restore. You may think your life is in the garbage dump right now, but guess who's there in that garbage dump? Jesus. And he's trying to find a life. He's trying to find a person that he can salvage, that he can take from that dump heap and heal, restore, and rebuild to restore a life and the heart that was broken. Now, if you're here today and you say, Pastor, you know, I don't know that my life is really right with God. If I were to die, I don't know that I would go to heaven. I don't know really where I stand with God. Well, I want to extend an invitation to you this morning. And the invitation is simple. Will you believe in Jesus? Will you put your trust in him? Will you lift up your eyes and look up? Will you receive his help in the time of your need? Will you allow him to transform you, to heal you, to forgive you, and to do something significant with your life? Because you see, there's an empty void that you can't fill with worldly pleasure. There's an empty void that you can't fill with prestige, with success, with anything that the world offers. Only Jesus can fill that void. Only Jesus can give you what you truly need. With every head bowed, nobody looking around, I'm going to ask, if you're here today and you say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I know my life is not right with God. 
maybe you're in a backslidden state. Maybe you've walked away from God. Maybe at one time you served him, you lived for him, but because of an event or something that happened, you just maybe drifted away. If you were to lift your hand at this time, you're simply acknowledging, Pastor, would you pray for me? I know my life is not right with God, and I want it to be. I want it to be. Thank you. Are there others this morning? Let's stand together. Thank you for lifting your hand. Those of you that lifted your hand, thank you so much for your honesty and your courage to do that. But we're going to pray what I call the believer's prayer. And if you raised your hand or the rest of us, we can pray this prayer because it's simply a believer's prayer where we declare our faith in Jesus Christ and what he did for us. Let's pray. Repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I open my heart to you and I put my faith in you. I believe you sent Jesus to die on the cross for me. He gave me his life. I believe that he was raised from the dead to give me new life. Jesus, I give you my heart. Jesus, I put my trust in you. Jesus, I invite you inside. In Jesus' name, make my life what you want it to be. I surrender to you. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Heal me. In your name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, as we conclude the service, the prayer team will be invited up here. They'll be available to pray with you. And we want to just connect with you and see how we can help you in your journey with God. Now, for the rest of us, my charge to you is to look upward. To look upward and let that affect your focus. And let that determine your source. And let that establish your goal. Amen? Amen. I'll say that one more time. Look upward. And in that upward look, let that establish your focus, the right kind of focus not based on fear, but based on faith. Let it establish God is your source. And then number three, let it establish your goal in life, what you're living for. Amen. Well, let's worship him. Thank you for being so attentive to the word this morning. At Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to connect further with Refuge, feel free to go online to wearerefuge.net or on social media at wearerefuge.